Good morning. It's a wonderful gift being here and having our children serve so wonderfully at the in the sanctuary, helping with reading the, the readings and the signs out in the gathering space. It was a wonderful welcome that I received when going through that sink, that gathering space and seeing children active is beautiful, beautiful gift for us. Praise God. Thank you, Jean Wold, and for all those who are helping with our TLC Sundays. It's a wonderful gift. So this, uh, this Advent season, we've been having a homily series on the Eucharist. This last, the first Sunday, I preached about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist and what we believe as Catholics in that regard. That he is truly, really, and substantially present in the Eucharist. But then Deacon last week, uh, last Sunday, preached about the adoration of the Blessed Sacrament and how beautiful that is for us to engage in. If you, and if you want to, there's still an open invitation for you. If you want to come to have an hour of adoration, you're more than welcome to sign up for one. We have plenty of need there. We always welcome adorers there. This week, this Sunday, I'd like to talk about various rules and regulations surrounding the Eucharist so as to help make our reception of the Eucharist more fruitful and make it as fruitful as possible for us. So the one thing we have to remember with with rules and regulations is that there are rules and regulations for everything. If it's something precious we want to protect, there will be rules around that thing. Take, for instance, children. You'll say, the, the moms or grandparents or grandparents will say to them, make sure not to go near to the stove or else you'll get burned. Or sometimes there'll be, don't play on the, don't play on the stairwell or else you'll get hurt. So those are rules that you set up. It's because you love your children and grandchildren. And that they are precious to you. And you have those rules surrounding that so they can live well and they can be protected. So it's the same thing with, with regard to the Eucharist. We have rules and regulations because it's a precious gift for us. The gift of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in the Eucharist is our most precious gift that we have as Catholics, which is why we have these regulations and rules surrounding this. Another thing is that I, I want to encourage us all to receive these with a heart like St. John the Baptist, like we, had, we see in, this, in the gospel passage. St. John the Baptist, we see him saying, I am not the Christ, but I am the voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. And in doing so, he's recognizing humbly that he is not Jesus, he's not God. But yet he's also recognizing that, he has a, that God has a mission for him and that his mission for him was to be that one to prepare a place for Jesus to come. And so we see here he was very humble in doing that. And so just receive these regulations with humility, not with a rebellious heart, not one that wants to say, I'm better than that, so I, you know, but just to be humble about this, because these are what the church asks of us when it comes to the Eucharist. And these all can be found in canon law. I'm not going to read for you the canons, because that would be boring. <laughs> be very boring, believe me. But I'm going to basically summarize what, they, what it says in canon law. So the first one is, 
One needs to be baptized Catholic if they are to receive the Eucharist. We know that the, the gift of the Eucharist is one of the sacraments of initiation, the three sacraments, so baptism, confirmation, and the Eucharist. And so one needs to be baptized, one needs to be initiated into Christ's body in order to receive the body of Christ. That's the first one. The second one is that there comes to be an age in a person's life where they're able to understand that there is a difference between the Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus, and a piece of bread or some wine. And that's usually at age around the age of seven, called the age of reason. And so people, I mean, when you talk to a five-year-old or four-year-old child, they may not get the difference between the Eucharist and just a regular piece of bread. But if you talk to a seven-year-old, second graders, yeah, they can get that. They can understand that difference. And so that's what the age of reason, that's one of the regulations. They need to be able to know that difference. And the third one is one needs to fast for an hour before receiving the Eucharist. So one needs to fast for an hour. This, is, this will help us to prepare mentally, but also help us to f- prepare physically to receive the Eucharist. When we fast, we think, oh, I'm going to be receiving the Eucharist at Mass. I'm going to Mass. And so I need to prepare myself for that. We need to make a place in our hearts, and in our bodies, for Jesus to come. That's why we ask to fast for an hour before receiving the Eucharist. Fourth one, one cannot receive the Eucharist if one is in the state of mortal sin. One cannot receive the Eucharist if one is in the state of mortal sin. When one sins a grave sin, a mortal sin, their souls die. Their souls die. And if one tries to receive nourishment with that dead body, that dead soul, they can't take that in. The soul cannot take that in. It's like a, it's like a plant. A plant cannot, a dead plant cannot receive nourishment like food and water. You might give it or because it's dead. But what that soul needs is confession. They don't need the Eucharist at that time. They need confession. And in fact, if, you're going, if the person has a mortal sin on their soul and they receive the Eucharist, they're actually committing a, a more grave sin, a sacrilege. And that's not what we want with our relationship with God. So go to confession. If you know you have a mortal sin on your soul, first before receiving the Eucharist. That's very important for us. And for me as a pastor, I kind of wonder sometimes about people coming up to receive the Eucharist. If they've actually made an examination of conscience, if they examine themselves well, to such a degree saying, I don't have a mortal sin on my soul, so I can receive you. Thank you, Lord. Because sometimes I see people just coming up to receive the Eucharist and they're like willy-nilly like, they're just they don't look like they're recollected. They don't know. I don't know if they they've been able to examine themselves. And so I wonder. So just to keep that in mind, just to examine ourselves before we see we come to mass, so we can see if we're in the state of grace or if we're out of the state of grace. So that's number four. Number five. If one, when one is married, if one is married, this applies to married couples. If the marriage isn't recognized by the church meaning that you're not married in the church by a priest or a deacon, one cannot receive the Eucharist. If one's not married in the church, they cannot receive the Eucharist. Because as I, as I mentioned, when one receives the Eucharist, they're saying, I'm in communion with the, with the church, 
I'm also in communion with God. I'm in a right relationship with the church, and I'm in a right relationship with God. And so when one is married outside the church and not recognized by the church, that's not being in communion with the church, nor in communion with God. So one needs to have that, uh, one needs to go through that into the church uh, with marriage in order to receive the Eucharist. And if you have any questions about that, any comments, well, any questions or thoughts, Deacon and I can help you with that. If you have any thoughts about that or questions. That's number five. Number six, Holy Communion is only for baptized Catholics. This is, can be a tension with, with, with our Protestant brothers and sisters. A lot of times Protestants will come out to funeral masses, wedding masses, or other masses, and they're, they're, they think to themselves, how unwelcoming you are, Catholics, for not letting me receive the Eucharist. Or your Holy Communion, they might say. How unwelcoming you are. And they don't, and I would say to them, well, you don't believe what we believe as Catholics. You don't believe that this is truly Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. I'm sorry. You're not in communion with the church. You're not in communion with God that way. And the same thing with me. If I was to go to a, a Protestant service, and I would not receive their communion either because they don't believe the same thing I believe. And if a person does believe, if a Protestant does believe, that a non-Catholic does believe that it's truly Jesus in the Eucharist, that's his body, blood, soul, and divinity, then I say, let them become Catholic. Let them go through the RSA process. That's why we have it here. And we have a wonderful process right now. We have a wonderful class going on right now. We have three great individuals who are looking at becoming Catholic at Easter time. What a way to welcome them. What a way to bring them into the church if they actually believe that the gift of the Eucharist. So that's number six. Number seven, a, a person who is obstinately persists in publicly known grave sin are not to receive the Eucharist. A person who persists obstinately in public, who is obstinate and persists in that publicly known grave sin are not to receive the Eucharist. If they were to receive the Eucharist like that, they, were to, they would be committing a scandal. It would be very scandalous for us as a church to see that happen. This has, to, like, for example, if a leader of the mafia who is known publicly to kill people and to sell drugs and other things like that, was to come forward and receive the Eucharist, that would be scandalous. The same, so that's what this is all about. That's what the example is. A person who obstinately persists in publicly grave sin are not to receive the Eucharist. And this has to do with a lot of times with our politicians. Our politicians, some of them, are call themselves Catholic, but they don't believe, in they, well, they push practices that are not Catholic, such as abortion. And that's what we're talking about here. I mean, like, for instance, uh, the Arch- the Nancy Pelosi is one of those politics, po- politicians, I should say. And she has been told by the Archbishop of San Francisco that she cannot receive the Eucharist in the Diocese of San Francisco because she is known to push for abortion, which is against church teaching and against church practice, respecting life. And so she cannot receive the Eucharist in that Diocese of San Francisco. 
So that's so a person who obstinately persists in publicly known grave sin are not to receive the Eucharist. Number eight. Holy Communion is not to be given to those who are excommunicated from the church. And excommunicated from the church. In other words, if a person re- commits a really, really, really grave sin, and they are they know to be excommunicated, excommunicated by the church, they are excommunicated from the church, and they are not to receive the Eucharist. So, if they're out, excommunication is meaning that they're outside of the body of Christ. I mean, I can give a whole homily on this too. Well, excommunication is quite a depth conversation and homily. But yeah, those who are excommunicated from the church cannot receive the Eucharist. And like I said, it's a known thing if they know that. So we have these eight different rules. We have different things, eight different things. So need to be baptized Catholic if you're going to receive the Eucharist. <clears throat> it's age seven. Know the difference between ordinary bread and, and Jesus and the Eucharist to receive the Eucharist. And then one needs to fast for an hour before receiving the Eucharist. They can't receive the Eucharist in the state of mortal sin. And then if, the mar- if they're married, marriage needs to be recognized by the church in communion with the church in order to receive the Eucharist. The Holy Communion is only for baptized Catholics. Not, um, and then a person who, uh, who obstinately persists in publicly known grave sin are not to receive the Eucharist. And finally, eighth, those who are excommunicated from the church cannot receive the Eucharist. The question is, why? Why do we have these rules? As I mentioned, it's because Jesus is very precious to us. And what's beautiful is that when we follow these rules and the regulations, and we follow Jesus with our whole hearts, we will be a people of joy. That's what these rules are ultimately guided towards, receiving that joy of knowing the Lord Jesus in our hearts. Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. As we hear St. Paul tell us. So, I, when we, so let's ask our Lord for, to be, that we may follow him closely. That we may come to know and love him more and more in the Eucharist. Let's come to experience what the gift it is to have the Eucharist in our lives.